0: Way back when, Hugh asked me if I would speak um, in November, and I said to him, yeah, fine. I said, but bear in mind, I'm going to Ghana, so for a lot of November, I'm missing, and uh, he never got back to me, so I thought, oh well, fair enough, and then uh, after he got back, Hugh came and he said, I asked you to speak in November, how about doing December? And uh, I said, no, that's fine, Um, but even in that, you see, God's got a plan and a purpose, because When you want to seek God and ask God what to do in terms of um, sharing, um, sometimes it's a process. Sometimes you start that journey and you start start to ask God, well, great, I've got this opportunity. What are we going to do? How are we going to bring? What what do you want to share? What do you want to say, Lord, to the people? And um, I got a real sense on this occasion that um, I was going to do something different, which is a bit scary, really. And over the last two weeks, it's been phenomenal. If you've been here, have you had ears to hear what the Spirit's been saying? Uh, Because there's been a a phenomenal theme running through last week and this week in particular. um, um, Talking about what I sensed God was asking me to talk about when I was in Ghana, before we even set a date. And like David said, you know, God goes before you, doesn't he? God prepares the way. God's always ahead of this game. He's always one step in front. And... um, he asked me to, to come and share and share things that had happened in Ghana. And I thought, well, I can't just tell you a full 25 minutes worth of, uh, we went to this slave fort, we went to that king's palace, and we, we had meals with these authorities, and we influenced, and we went to churches that have grown from a handful of people when I was there into the hundreds now, and seen buildings put up and raised to the glory of God. I can't spend 25 minutes doing that sort of thing. And, uh, and yet we did all of that. It's incredible to see what God is doing, and uh, it was phenomenal. I went to, with the family, obviously, um, let me contextualise this, 20, 30, 40, 1980, a long time ago, two guys from Ghana came over to England to study at the expense of the Ghanaian government. They linked in to what was then uh, Grimsby Free Church, which is now established as City Church. And um, we've been in touch ever since. And from about 1990 to about 2002, I spent a lot of time out in Africa. I took teams out there. We took women's teams, men's teams, youth teams, leadership teams, uh, teams of any kind, color, description, caliber that we could squeeze into Ghana. We took them out there. I lived out there for months and months and even a year at one point and just got alongside the people. And uh, it was great um, to see William and Mary, two of my friends, come over for our wedding back in 2001, and uh, ever since then, they've said, bring your family, bring your family, and it's never been right, but last year, we said, time has run out, we need to take the family, so we took them this year, and um, it was incredible, to see the growth, of the churches, it was incredible, to see what God, has been doing, it was incredible, to go into the marketplaces, and have market women, run down, the, the pathways, shouting, Richard is here, Richard is here, people I've not seen, for 20 plus years. And uh, the influence, uh, obviously, for whatever good or bad it was when I was there, uh, is still lasting. And I went to churches, and people saw me, and they got me to stand up in front and announce that when I was last with them, I was like this, being stick thin, very not as good as I am now, very skeletal in some respects. Um, and, And now look at me, and they went, he's grown, and see what God has done. And I went, yeah, but... See what God has done with you. You've gone from 60 or 70 people when I was here to over 400 people. You've put up a building to the glory of God. Went to other churches where the same thing had happened, but maybe not on the same scale. But there's been growth. There's been development. And William said, can I bring a message to you from him? So I'm going to start this morning with that message. And if you've got your Bibles, um, turn to 1 John, and we'll see where it goes from there because I want to link it into some of the stuff that I feel God wants me to share this morning as well. William said, can I share this with you? He brings greetings. William is 70 in January. A friend of mine. Still building his house. Still serving the kingdom of God. Retired from official ministry, but still travelling in the taxis, in the buses, sharing his heart for people that they don't go to a lost eternity. He's still reaching out he's still influencing he's still the grandfather of many church activities in that place and uh, he sends his greetings and he said share this with the church 1 john chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 he said church do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And he said, link that with Matthew 6.33, where he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things, will be given to you as well. And William's heart was for us to say, Church, you know, it's so easy in the Western world to get lost in the bounty of what we've got. It's so easy to get lost in the exuberance of our day-to-day lives and in the plenty and in the blessings that you may not think you've got. But when you compare it to an African way of life, the blessings are manifold. Never mind other parts of the world, as we looked at, the other week when David said how many nations are, are represented here. We can look at many of those nations and we are a blessed, fortunate, privileged nation. And William said, tell the church, do not let that cloud your judgment. Do not let that stop you from actually seeing the reason why he has called you into his kingdom, called you to be part of his family. But instead, see through all of that and focus in on his kingdom, his purposes, his plans, His direction." And what he has called you to do. Do not let the things of this world crowd in and cover over what he wants to plant and see grow in you. And did we not see some of that last week when Dave was talking from the parable of the sower and linked into the seeds and the fact that the weeds crowded it out? And I thought, you know. I, I know God wanted me to do something different today, and I really sense that what He wants me to share is an underlining of what He's already saying. He wants to underline what has already been spoken about uh, over the last few weeks. And don't, William said, do not let anything lessen our worship, our service, our devotion, our wholehearted commitment to the things of God. And yet it's so easy, isn't it? And I challenge myself in this. I look at my life and I think, it is so easy for me to come home from a day at work to put my feet up and go, right, that's the TV on, that's my iPad in my hand, that's everything I need to do for the next two or three hours, forget everything else. And yet the challenge is, isn't it, where is the kingdom in that? Where is the call of God in that? Where is the plan and purpose of why I've been designed and why I've been created in that It is, yes. It's on the pad, but it's not the end, is it? It's but something that should spur me on into other things, into new, bigger, and better things. And what I felt God was stirring in my heart when I was in Africa was three things that I want to try and draw together. First and foremost, he turned me back to Matthew 28. That well-known passage, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where it says this. It was the end of Jesus, his ministry on earth. He had died, he had resurrected, he would spent time with his disciples. And now the point had come where he was going to ascend into heaven, where he was going to depart physically from them. And he gave these last words to his disciples. He said, "'All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. "'Therefore go and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, in his lifetime, he taught And demonstrated the kingdom. And then at the very end of his life, he said to those disciples, Now you go and do likewise. Take hold of my teachings my demonstration of the kingdom and do it because I am giving you the authority to do it I am giving you the ability to do it I am giving you the power to do it I am giving you the wisdom the understanding the knowledge the capability to demonstrate the kingdom to tell people what I have been teaching you for three years or so now get on and do it Get out there. All authority is given to me. And I am now giving it to you. Church, all authority is being given to Jesus. And if you are born again in his family, called of the kingdom, that same authority that Jesus had now resides with you. What are you doing with it? Are you sitting at home with it on your iPad going, well, I've got the authority sitting at home with it, wrapped up, put on the side, thinking, well, it's there if I need it. The challenge to my heart, and I believe the challenge to the church today, is what are you doing with the authority of God that he's given to you? All encompasses what? Everything. Everything. So, why do we water it down? Why do we make exceptions? Why do we go, yeah, God's got all authority, but I'm not so sure if He can do something about my unemployment. But I'm not so sure He can do something about my sickness. But I'm not so sure He can do something about my family situation. But I'm not so sure, church, all authority over everything. Is given to him and he has given it to us to use for his glory and his kingdom. It's a fresh challenge, I believe, to learn the awesome truth of Matthew 28. Let's get it embedded in our hearts and let it manifest it in our behavior. Can you just imagine? Can you just contemplate with me for a minute? Think about for a minute that situation. The disciples are with Jesus. Jesus knows he's going to ascend into heaven. He's gathered them all together, and he goes, "Right, all authority is now given to me. Now go and do the same." And then he ascends into heaven. Can you think what the disciples must have been going through at that point in time? Jesus has departed from them, but you know, I begin to wonder. I wonder if things like this came back to remembrance, that then penned itself into the scriptures. Matthew 9, Jesus said, I am the son of man who has authority on earth to forgive sins. Matthew 18, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. John 20, if you forgive sins, they are forgiven. John 14, I, Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Mark 1 and Luke 8, To occasions when even the demons, when they saw Jesus, they screamed out and said, you have authority, do not do this, do not send us there, but whatever you say, we will do. The demons recognised Jesus. Matthew 16, Peter's confession of faith. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Jesus then said to the disciples, but who do you think I am? And Jesus said, uh, Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the anointed one, you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven keys a symbol of authority keys a king a symbol of being able to open up and lock things true believer you and i our authority lies in a revelation of who jesus is followed by active applied authority in him the church is charged to implement what he has released through his life his death and his resurrection church, you are empowered, you are given the authority today when you see people bound up in sin to say your sins are forgiven. When you see people bound in sickness to say to loose them into healing and pray for them to be restored. When people are bound by the demonic to loose them into freedom and into his purposes. When you see people bound in chains to break those chains and see people set free and walk out of prison cells that are holding them down, that are stopping them from fulfilling their God-given mandate, their God-given purpose, their God-given place in his kingdom. When people are bound by confusion, you are given the authority to loose them into clarity. When you see people bound up by you have the authority to release them into. Church, all authority resides in his hands. And I just wonder, you know, it, a few days later, Peter was going to pray, wasn't he, with with um, John in the temple. And they saw the, the, the beggar at the gate, beautiful, whose legs were crippled. And what does, what does Peter do when he says, give me, give me silver, give me gold, give me something to... to, to Changed my life for today. Peter looks at him and I wonder if he remembered that occasion back on the mount where Jesus said all authority. Because Peter says, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the scripture said that man, strength came back into his legs. He leapt up from the ground and he went into the temple, praising and declaring the wonders and the power of God. That authority that Peter had, you and I have got too. Anton Andrea, on the streets, remember the authority that you've got in his name. Yes, there may be opposition. Yes, there may be difficulties. Yes, there may be derision. But Jesus said, Don't worry, all those things will come anyway because you're a follower of me. But also, do not forget, there is authority in my name to unlock the bound. People to set them free to be like Peter in that uh, Acts 3 occasion see the cripples walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, those who are held in darkness set free. All authority, all authority. Hugh read it this morning, Philippians 2. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. There is authority in the name of Jesus. And Kirsten pinched my thunder a little bit last week when she shared about Mr. Paul Weenie, the Deputy Commander of Police for the whole of the Central Region. But do you know what? We went out for a meal with that man. He has influence over a nation in terms of authority in the police force because he's a man of integrity. He's a man of righteousness. He's a man of truth. He's a man who loves God and does not suffer fools gladly. And he, he took us out for a meal. He took two of his uh, junior officers with him, and it was quite a funny little occasion. We were about to leave, and the two junior officers decided it was time for them to go to the bathroom, uh, not knowing that we were about to leave. Now, I got up from the table, went to the bathroom, and they heard a whisper. It went something like this, he's about to move. So they left the bathroom without actually having used the bathroom. Because their commander-in-chief was on the move. And they did not dare miss out. So they left the bathroom, stood in the corridor, while their commander-in-chief walked past them. They then ran to the car, opened the the doors, got in the car and drove him off. Now, how they managed, I do not know, because we went our separate ways after that. But it struck me, isn't it, that that Mr. Oweeney, he had authority... Even over those people. And those guys were watching out for him. Those guys were watching out. Where is our commander going? What is he doing? We need to be there. And it's the same for us, church. Our commander is Jesus. Where is he going? What is he doing? Do we have the same desire as those two officers? To be there with him. To be in the place where Jesus is going to. To be on the path with Jesus, heading in the direction that Jesus is going. Or are we going to stay in the bathroom and do what we want to do in the way that we want to do it? And then when we're finished, then maybe we'll try and catch up. It doesn't work like that, people. When Jesus is on the move, get in with Jesus or you'll be left behind. And that brought me to the second thing that I felt God was sort of trying to teach me in particular, but I think it's relevant. You know, we need to take seriously the transformation the church can bring, and we need to be watchful for God's authority uh, uh, to apply it. Ezekiel chapter 3 says this, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give a warning from me. Isaiah 62 says this, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent by day or by night. You who call on the name of the Lord, give yourselves no rest. So we've got the authority church, but we're also called to be watchmen. Watchmen are vigilant. They look after a city 24-7. In the days of old, when there were walled cities... They used to place people at intervals along this, the wall of the city that were there day and night, looking out, being vigilant. They would often call in the watches of the, the night as well. They would call the times. You see it on the ships as well, don't you? Where they ring the bell and go, Seven bells, all is well. Twelve bells, midnight, all is well. The watchmen, they are crying out. They're watching over. They're being vigilant. They're watching the signs of the times. What are we doing? Are we being vigilant? Are we watching the signs of the times? Are we crying out the watches of the day, the watches of the night, telling people, what time is it, Mr. Wolf? What time is it, church? What time is it? Do you have eyes to see in the physical and into the spiritual? What is going on? Are we watchful? Are we mindful? A watchman also searches the horizon. They're constantly scanning out, looking far afield. They don't look behind them at what's going on in the city. They're out looking. They're watching. What is approaching? What is coming? They're looking for the enemy approaching. They're looking for the enemy coming towards their city to bring destruction, to bring death, to bring um, um, things of negative approach. They're looking for that. They're also looking for disaster, looking for the natural disasters. Are the locusts coming? to eat the field, to eat the fresh fruit, to eat the grain, to eat the greenery. They're looking for pestilence and disease. They're looking for the enemy. They're keeping a watch and then they're warning the city behind them. They're rousing the army if the enemy's coming and saying, get up, the enemy is coming. We need to go to battle on this occasion. Or get up, the enemy is coming to rob, steal and destroy what is rightfully ours, our fruitfulness, the the benefit of our hard work. Get up, get up and do something about. it it, confront the enemy. The watchmen are never quiet. They also look out for the good stuff. The caravan is coming. The traders are coming. The good things are coming. Fling wide the doors of the city. Welcome them in. The king is coming. Swing wide the gates. Let the king into the camp. Church, are we being vigilant are we being warning of people of what is coming are we being um, declarers on telling people of the good things but also the bad things that will destroy and harm as well as bless and prosper what are we doing watchmen have authority to allow things into the city or to reject things from their city Ezekiel 33 had this warning though. He said, if you see the sword and stay silent, I require their blood from your hands. In other words, if you're watching and you can see something coming and you stay quiet and it takes your city, God says, you're the one at fault. You're the one I'm going to hold accountable for that because I told you about it and you didn't tell anybody else. It's a sobering thought, really. It's a sobering thought. You know, hi I went out a few Saturdays ago. I don't often go out, but I went out with some friends um, for a, a meal. And then we went out into Grimsby Town on the night for a few drinks. And um, I was with three other guys. And uh, one of them, he, well, in fact, two of them shared some stories with me that kind of made my... My spiritual antenna go like this because I knew what God was saying to me about this sermon. And uh, one of them was telling me that um, he, he works with vulnerable children and he said, do you do not realize what is going on? And I said to Kirsten I, the, night, the day after, I said, I'm so naive. I thought I lived in a sleepy, beautiful, quiet Grimsby. I said, but the stories I heard last night have made me realize that the enemy's on the move but what are we doing about it as a church? And he shared some stories, and I can't go into all the details, but things like uh, drug gangs from Liverpool and Manchester are coming over and targeting our young people and making them drug runners into other cities, making them drug runners. Uh, They're putting pressure on them. They they basically put them into modern-day slavery. We've had people disappear from the streets of Grimsby and uh, appear in London in in bad, notoriously bad areas of London and who have been hurt and harmed and damaged both physically and psychologically and um, they're being taken away from this, this, this area of Grimsby. We've had other gangs move into this area and exploit the young people in other different ways. He was telling me stories of how parents he works with are actually prostituting out their daughters to try and make a little bit of extra income. They're not bothered about their children. They're just prostituting them out to whoever they can find to take their daughter and do whatever they want with them. They are... We've had we've had major companies who want to establish businesses in Grimsby, who have come to Grimsby, met with key people, seen some of the depravity, some of the uh, listened to some of the stories, and have said we're not going there. It's not worth our time, and they've pulled away their investment, they've turned away their their money that's going to change this some parts of this society. You know, what are we permitting into Grimsby? What are we permitting? And listening to some of those stories challenged my heart. And I said, you know, God was saying to me, you know, you're a watchman, aren't you? You've got the authority. What are you allowing into my, into your town? um, By staying silent, you're just allowing the enemy to do whatever the enemy wants to do. But it's about time you stood up and started saying, right, no, drug gangs, No. I'm not having you in my town. Get out in the name of Jesus. Prostitution, broken families. I'm not having you in my town. Get out in the name of Jesus. Companies that turn their back from investment on this place. No, I'm not having it anymore. We're going to call the investment in, in the name of Jesus. We're going to see good things brought into this town, not bad things. We're not going to allow the enemy any more time to hold this town and this area down with the negative evil demonic grip that's on it but it takes watchmen with authority in him to stand up and start to speak out that's the only thing that will change this kind of circumstances so we've got authority in Jesus we're called to be watchmen we've got a duty to warn others we've got a duty You know, one of the things that came out from William and sharing when I was in Ghana is that God's on the move, and God's actually stirring people up. And there was a number of occasions where uh, he was telling me stories of Ghanaians who have had dreams and visions where they've actually had a confrontation with hell itself. And I know it's not a very popular topic, and I know it's not a very um, PC topic at times, but do you know what? Hell is a reality. Jesus, if you look into scriptures, spoke a lot about hell. In fact, he often spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. And we've got to get into our understanding, people, that if, if we can ignore it, we can say hell's a story, it's an Old Testament thing, it doesn't change the fact that hell's a reality. You know, And I, I heard a little bit of a preacher, and he said something along the lines of, you know, hell can wait Hell is not in any rush. Hell can wait 20, 30, 70, 100, 200 years for you to pass away from this mortal coil. And if you don't know Jesus, it will be waiting for you. Hell has an open arms to anyone who does not know Jesus. Hell doesn't worry about the fact that the church today doesn't recognise that hell is a real place. Hell doesn't worry that it's got capacity levels, because it hasn't. Hell can accept as many people into it as a people will go there. Hell doesn't have a boundary, doesn't have a, 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 a quota of people. Hell just has an open-ended pit. And William was telling me some stories of people who have, in the spirit, have been into hell, and the, and the terrible things that they have seen and witnessed. And some of these people have actually physically died... And God's brought them back to life and said, go forth and share. And you think, oh, that might just happen in Africa. Yeah, but I've also recently done some research. These testimonies are also coming out in America and in England. I tell you what, people, have you got ears to hear and eyes to see what's happening in the Spirit? I've got a real sense that God is saying, come on, church. There There is a dying generation out there that needs to know the power and the authority of Jesus in their lives. There's a dying generation that's going to hell And as a church, are we actually standing up and giving people the warnings and saying, you don't need to go to hell. You don't need to die and go to a lost eternity. You can know the Savior. You can know the one who created life for you. You can know the one who will transform your life around. But are we staying silent? Because it doesn't affect us. Because we're saved, we're born again are we being vocal or are we being quiet? God created hell for judgment to those who rebelled against him. And you know what? I've got a real sense that God looked into hell and he saw you and he saw me and he said, I don't want that to happen. So he sent his only son, Jesus. And we can quote the verse in John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not die and perish but have eternal life. But is that living in here? Is that living in here as we speak it out? And I'm not saying go around and start preaching hell, and fire, and damnation to people, although there is a place for that that I think the church needs to bring back in occasionally. But it's through the way that you live, it's through the words that you speak, it's through the actions that you give out to people. And I know the church is good at that. This is why I said, you know, I I feel this is a different kind of sermon. This is an underlining sermon. This is underlining the things around cap. This is underlining the things around rock foundation. This is underlining the other stuff that the church does to reach out and to demonstrate to people that there is a kingdom that is different to the one that they're currently in. That Jesus is a risen saviour. He's interested in them. Paul said this in Romans 9. He said, I've got great sorrow and unceasing anguish. What for? That I might share the gospel with the Jews and the Gentiles. He had great unceasing sorrow and anguish. When you look out at your friends and your neighbours and your colleagues at work, do you have a great unceasing anguish and sorrow? They don't know Jesus. Or is it just, oh well, they don't know Jesus. It's a challenge to us all. And it's just seeing what God is opening up. God is opening up so much these days. God is opening up so many opportunities for us to be church, to share the kingdom, to share the good news, to share that Jesus loves them in so many different ways. And people are so receptive to it. If we just stood up and did what we were asked to do, if we were just obedient to him. The message for Matthew 16 where Peter's confession, it says this he says you will have complete and free access to God's kingdom keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven, a yes on earth is a yes in heaven and a no on earth is a no in heaven church what time is it do you know your spiritual eyes and ears picking up the season that we're in What is on the horizon? What are we permitting or forbidding into our lives, into our church, into our city, into our nation? Jesus said in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are so few. We can bring a change, and we should be bringing a change. You know, and sometimes things take time. I was given a little testimony last Sunday where Kirsten and I had met with some friends and they've got a little bit of a difficult situation with a mum at the moment and there's a little bit of a barrier between them and they were going to a wedding and they didn't want the tension. So we just said, well, let's pray for you and let's just believe God that it'll be okay, that everything will be fine, that God will undertake. You just go and be who you're called to be. Just be who you are. Don't put a front on. We'll just pray for you. And then the following week, that was on the Sunday, on the Saturday, the following week I got this little piece of paper that said you know what we went to that wedding we had a conversation with my mum the conversation basically went I'm really sorry for what's happened and uh, forgiveness was shared both ways and uh, and then the mum said you know what I think I need God and I think I need church back in my life changes can come I've had a situation at work. Some of you know one of them with one of my bosses who went a long time ago. But I've had another irritation um, working alongside me for a while now. And um, my staff have come to me. They've complained about them, complained about them, complained. And I've just said, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. Just leave it. Just stop moaning. Stop groaning. Stop complaining. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. This week, my current boss turned around to me. She said, absolute secret. Don't share this with anybody. So I'm sharing it with you guys. Um, the guy that's been in irritation has just walked out, resigned, not even doing his notice, and we've accepted it, and he's gone. Just like that. You know, we can be a change. We can bring about change in circumstances, in situations, as long as we walk the walk, talk the talk, keep on the path of righteousness and truth. We are his children, his ambassadors, his representatives, heirs, to his kingdom. We're, not the head, uh, we're the head and not the tail. We can have all authority in him. We need to be watchful and use that authority wisely. Church, stop being silent. Let's raise our voices and warn people of the reality of hell but the offer of grace. Let's vocalize his righteousness and let us realize that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, that's been given to us. But with that authority comes responsibility. Are we prepared? Are we able to arise in the God-given mandate and make a change in this town, in this nation, and in the nations of the world? Because that's what God has called us to be. And it's been exciting to hear over the last couple of weeks that whole theme of authority, authority, Watchfulness, change, transformation, stepping out, testimonies coming in of how when we've been obedient, we're seeing God move. And I tell you, that is but the first fruits of what God wants to do. As long as we continue to recognize that it's all grounded in him and he is the center of all authority and all dominion and all power. In Jesus' name. Oh, man.